You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, welcome everyone. Sorry the video cut out on us, but we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you want to take a, if you want to take a, take a minute and stand, uh, Leslie is going to read uh, today's passage for us from Luke chapter five. So go ahead. Hello, there I am. Luke five twenty seven through thirty two. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Leslie. All right. Uh, you can, oh, well, if I, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake, and I'm so glad that you have joined us today. A great Sunday to be here. We just uh, celebrated Lydia's baptism. So, so cool. And uh, also kicking off a new sermon series. That's always a good time to uh, show up. We get, get the, the beginning of the movie, if you, so, if you will. But um, this series we're calling Mills with Jesus and I want to kick this series off with a question that you already know what how you're supposed to answer and so it's a completely goofy question but I'm going to ask it anyways here's the question if you could share meal with anyone in history who would you choose now Mills with Jesus right you know what the answer is supposed to be because I'm asking you this in church. But, but let, me just, let me just say, <laughs> Jesus would actually make a great pick, okay? Like he really would. I mean, for, for really anyone in the church, outside of the church, I mean, Jesus is widely regarded as the most influential person who ever lived in the history of time. So like, that's a big deal, right? And so you would say, if you pick Jesus to have a meal with you, you'd be making a solid choice. And really for that reason, and lots of other reasons that I won't get into, and this is not all about trying to convince you that Jesus is the best pick for having the meal with. But there is one more reason I want to uh, mention to you. It might be off your radar, but I think Jesus would make a great pick to share a meal with because Jesus loves sharing meals with people. Did you know that? You know that about him? Like uh, in scripture, Jesus often referred to himself as the son of man, which is kind of a weird title, but actually comes from the Old Testament book of Daniel is a, a term used kind of, that had this like messianic connotation to it. So he adopts that for himself. And the reason I tell you that is because in the gospels, the four gospels in the New Testament, Jesus begins a sentence with the phrase, the son of man came three different times. And those three times, he ends the sentence in this way. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Or another time, the son of man came to seek and to save 
the lost. And then finally, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, that's interesting, right? The pastor and author, uh, Tim Chester, he, he says this in his book, and actually entitled Meals with Jesus, stole that from him. He says uh, the first two, first two of those statements are statements of purpose or mission. Why did Jesus come? He came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom. He came to seek and save the lost. The third, though, is a statement of method. How did Jesus come? He came eating and drinking. Meaning that Jesus' go-to way to build relationships with the people that he came to seek and to serve was a long meal that stretched out into the evening. Around the table, grilled fish, loaf of bread, pitcher of wine, really good conversation. Now, I, I, really, I really love that about Jesus. In fact, you know, if you read through the Gospels, it shows he did that a lot. In fact, he, he did meals like that so much that he got a reputation around it. So if you keep reading in Luke chapter 7, that verse that says the Son of Man came eating and drinking, it actually continues this. It says the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say, Jesus referring to the religious authorities of that day, you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Which means that according to Jesus, uh, the religious authorities thought that he ate too much, drank too much, and that he did so with all the wrong types of people. Now, I don't know where you come from when it comes to exploring who Jesus is or just curious about him or perhaps you're a committed follower of Jesus. Where I think, though, wherever we're coming from, that description of Jesus is pretty intriguing and disarming, isn't it? Eats too much, drinks too much, and does so with all the wrong kinds of people. That's interesting. See, this is why I think uh, Jesus would make a great pick for you to choose to have a dinner with, to have a meal with. And you know what else? This description of Jesus, it tells us one more thing. It, it tells us that if you were to pick Jesus to have a meal with, uh, he would be happy to accept it. No, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you are doing, that Jesus was happy to share a table with anyone. As I titled this series, uh, I mean, titled this message, uh, Anyone Can Come when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to sharing a meal with Jesus. Um, sadly, though, there are many in the uh, you know, Western American church who seem, to, who seem to teach a different message. That, that, that there's an idea, kind of a, a, a stigma that says that there are certain people that would actually want nothing to do with. And so for some, some, of, some people, those certain people are... Uh, that you have to be in order for Jesus to want to want to have a meal with you, want to have anything to do with you. For some, those are like people that have to be, you know, straight, and they have to be politically 
conservative and you have to be sexually pure. If you're not one of those kind of people, Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with you. For others in our society, they, we think the other way is you have to be, you just can't be judgmental. You can't be intolerant. You can't be unkind. If, if you are, then Jesus would not want anything to do with you. <laughs> but friends, all of that kind of thinking, it, it, it's not accurate. That when it comes to Jesus wanting to have something to do with you, to even invite you to come to him, anyone can come. And the reason I say that is because of the very first verse in today's passage. In Luke chapter 5, verse 27. See, here's what it says. Jesus went out. And he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. See, this verse reveals that there isn't a type of person that Jesus is unwilling to be with. In fact, it goes even further than that. It it shows us that there isn't a type of person that Jesus wouldn't invite to come and partner with him and what he is doing in the world. That's a whole different like, level of association with someone, which is, which is wild. But, but here, here's why this verse proves that. It's because Levi was a tax collector. Now, some of y'all grew up in church. You understand the history around tax collectors. Others, we don't. But like, let me just say, being a tax collector in that day, first century Jerusalem, first, first century Jewish culture, that was like the worst thing that you could possibly be. I mean, it was the most de- despised position in all of society. I mean, think about groups or segments of people that uh, are segments of our society despised today. There's, there's rarely a group of people that everyone in our society really agrees on. We don't like them, but... Uh, <laughs> There's, a, there's, you know, for us, many of y'all in this room, just think Sooners, right? <laughs> or more seriously, you know, for some, it would be the Proud Boys. For some, it would, might be drag queens. For some, or really for many in our culture, it would be uh, pedophiles. Think of, think of a group that's despised in our culture, and you get an idea of how Jews felt about tax collectors. They were the bottom of the rung. They were the most despised group of people in their culture. And, here, and here's why. This is because tax collectors were Jewish, usually Jewish men who primarily out of greed had chosen to uh, betray and turn against their people, joining Rome in the subjugation and oppression of their very own. And that in that day and age, when loyalty to family and to nation were of utmost paramount importance, uh, Jewish tax collectors had actually openly betrayed their own. And like that was taboo, taboo, taboo. They, they were despised for that. But it gets even worse than that because Jewish 
Jewish tax collectors in siding with Rome were siding with the enemy, and not just the Jews' enemy, but in their mind, in Jewish mind that day, they were siding with the very enemy of God. Because the Jews in, in that day, first century, they believed that one day God was going to uh, overthrow Rome and reestablish his kingdom in Jerusalem. And so in their mind, Rome wasn't just their oppressors, but Rome was the enemy of God. And to be a tax collector was to, <laughs> was to actually go from being on God's side of things to joining forces with the enemy. Enemy of God. Mm. Tax collectors. You get, you get the idea? Tax collectors were hated. In fact, <laughs> it goes, it, it, it's kind of funny, but like tax collectors, they, they were so despised that they had their own category, right? Like in this passage later, you see that the Pharisees are say, say to Jesus, or the Jesus disciples, like, why are, they, why are y'all eating with tax collectors and sinners? Right? That was because to, to lump the tax collectors in with the sinners category would have really offended the sinners. It's like, I'm a sinner, but I'm not a tax collector, right? So don't be, you know, don't lump us in together. Like, that's how bad, like, they were the worst of the worst in the eyes of first century Jews. And yet, Jesus walks up to Levi as he's working in the tax booth. And says to him, follow me. And friends, that invitation that Jesus makes there, it, it's no small thing. I mean, Jesus doesn't say, hey, follow me, Matthew, we're going to go on a walk. No, th- this idea of follow me, it, 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 it was an incredible honor. And it also meant something specific. For, when, for Jesus, to understand this, you have to get, Jesus was a rabbi. Right? We've talked about this some as a church a little while ago, but if you're newer, then this is kind of helpful to perhaps wrap your mind around. But Jesus is a rabbi, which is a Hebrew word for teacher. And uh, as a rabbi, the, uh, you would call people to follow you. And what that meant was that you were actually inviting them to apprentice under you. So the follow, to follow a rabbi had a specific meaning. It, it, it entailed the, the invitation for someone to come and be with you in order to become like you so that you can do what the rabbi did, eventually perhaps becoming a rabbi yourself. That was the point of apprenticing under a rabbi. And so this was this, was this incredible honor for a rabbi to invite you to follow him. And Jesus, like I said, he, he was a rabbi. of uh, He was more than that. He's, we believe, son of God, Messiah, right? But in that day and age, if you had uh, tried to put Jesus in a, in a category, and you, like, you showed up at a temple on Sabbath morning, and Jesus was there, and he stood up and taught, the category you would have put Jesus in was rabbi. Because, you know, and that's why, uh, of the 60 or so times that Jesus is addressed in the Gospels, uh, I'm sorry, 60 or so times where he's addressed in the Gospels, about 60 of those times he's actually addressed as rabbi or teacher. And so when Jesus, the rabbi, walks up to, to Levi in the tax collector's booth and says, come, follow me, that meant something. It was no small invitation. It was Levi. 
Come and be with me. Come and become like me. Come and do what I'm doing. Now, I don't know about you, friends, but if I'm Jesus, I'm not inviting Levi to do that, right? I mean, who are you going to invite to come and follow you, to associate yourself with to that degree, to come and be with, like, who, is it Levi? The, the man that everyone in their culture despised, who was the enemy of God. Is that who you're inviting? No, Jake, it's not. That's what y'all are supposed to say. But no, of course not, right? I mean, if it was me, I'm, I'm looking around for someone everyone likes, right? I'm like, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, I'm going to invite people everyone likes, then the people, they'll be gathered. I'm looking for like the, the first century version of Michael B. Jordan or Taylor Swift. That's who I'm calling to follow me. And then they're going to be able to gather a lot more people, you know, all that kind of stuff. But no, 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 Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And friends, here's what that, that means for you and for me. It means that Jesus would invite you to follow him as well. It means he would invite you to come to him and follow him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done or are currently doing. See, with Jesus, anyone can come. And anyone can follow him. And even anyone can partner with him and what he's doing in the world. And so if you have ever ruled yourself out, if you have ever disqualified yourself or you have ever felt disqualified by someone else, if you have ever thought there is no way that God would ever want me or be willing to let me partner with him and what he's doing in the world to make a difference in the world, friends, if that's where you are, then let Luke chapter 5 Verse 27, confront and refute that type of thinking. Because Jesus' invitation to Levi shows us that anyone can come. See, that's the grace, and that's the belonging, and that's the meaning found in Jesus. So, Jesus invites Levi. How does Levi respond? Verse 28. So Jesus invites Levi to follow him, and here it is. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And I want, uh, there's something here just to be real clear on, that when it comes to Jesus' invitation, anyone can come. But to come to Jesus, it does, it means something. Like I just said, it means to choose to be with Jesus, 
So Levi gets up and, and goes, leaves everything to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. So it's not like, okay, anyone can come and just stay as you are. It's like, no, come, follow me, become like me, and then do what I'm doing. Levi says, okay, I've gotten the invitation, so I'm going to get up. I'm going to leave everything. I'm going to follow Jesus And then verse 29 begins, then Levi dot, dot, dot. Now, we've already read it, and you've got it in front of you. You can read ahead, but let's pretend that none of that has happened. How do you think that sentence ends? Jesus has just called Levi to follow him for the very very first thing we're told that Levi does after he chooses to follow Jesus. What's he do next? Then Levi, see, here's how I think what we normally associate following Jesus with, like kind of the the activities that we first come to our mind in cultural Christianity today is, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus, that means then, well, what would Levi do? Then Levi joined Jesus's weekly Bible study. Or then Levi followed Jesus into the temple to attend a worship service. Or then Levi asked Jesus to teach him how to pray. Now, of course, that's not what it says. It would be, it's not like any, it's not as if any of those things are wrong. Those are all really, really good things. That we, it makes sense why we associate them with following Jesus. Like if we're going to follow Jesus, we, it's good for us to study God's word and to gather and worship. And, and we just spent two months really focused on helping us learn how to pray. That's, those are really good things. But I point this out because what Levi actually does next, soon as he began following Jesus, very first thing he does, he, he does something that sadly Many who call themselves Christians rarely, if ever, do. See, here's what Levi does next. He joins Jesus in his mission to save people just like him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. See, the first thing that Levi does is that he invites Jesus, and then he invites all his tax-collecting friends over to his house, and he throws a giant, big old party. It's like you can follow Levi's train of thought. If Jesus, <laughs> Levi's thinking, if Jesus would invite me of all people, if he would invite me to follow him, then that must mean that anyone can come and follow Jesus, which means I have some friends that Jesus needs to meet. And I have some friends that really need to meet Jesus. And so I'm going to throw a party, and we're going to get them all together. See, right from the start, Levi connects following Jesus with doing what Jesus was doing. Specifically, partnering with Jesus to help restore people Back to God. And I think that that's something that we really need to learn from Levi. See, following Jesus entails joining him in what he is doing to seek and save the lost and to restore people back to God. 
I mean, think about those three verses. The Son of Man came. What was Jesus up to? to not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to seek and save us. If this is what Jesus is up to, then what do you think the followers of Jesus would also be up to? Levi connected those dots right from the start. But we fail too oftentimes. See, I'm trying to make uh, this point strongly here because I don't want us to make the mistake of thinking that following Jesus can be reduced down to simply believing in him or simply avoiding certain kinds of sin or even just practicing spiritual disciplines, as good as that is. See, there was a group in the first century that were known for their strong beliefs in God and their commitment to avoid sin and their devotion to the spiritual practices. Do you know what that group was called? The Pharisees. Yeah. And the Pharisees were not like Jesus. And they did not like what Jesus was doing. See, if you, we keep reading the passage, uh, that becomes clear because uh, the Pharisees actually show up at Levi's party. Look at verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, and all who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, real quick, it's, it's highly unlikely that the, that the Pharisees were actually attending Levi's party. They weren't there in the house. Most likely, Levi, being a tax collector, had a pretty nice house, and he has this great banquet, and out in the courtyard, it's spilling out, and there's the road, and the Pharisees are there, and they're looking in to see this giant party, and there's Jesus and his disciples with those people, the tax collectors, and they are upset about it. Notice when they say to the disciples, it doesn't say they asked the disciples the question. No, it's they complained to the disciples. They complained to the disciples. Why are you eating with those people? Tax collectors and sinners. But the Jesus' disciples aren't the ones who answer him the Pharisees. Uh, Jesus actually is the one who speaks up. Verse 31. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus is saying, why are we eating with tax collectors and sinners? It's because this is the very reason I have come. This is why I am here. Now, I have come to heal the sick. I've come, in this case, to heal the spiritually sick. I have come to call sinners to repentance. It, it, I'm doing this because this is why I have come. I've come to restore people back to God. 
and, impli- and implied in Jesus' answer is this. The reason why my disciples are here, because remember, verse 30, it's the Pharisees who ask Jesus' disciples, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? And so implied in Jesus' answer is this. The reason why my disciples are here eating with tax collectors and sinners is because they're following me. Because this is what I've come to do. And since they're following me, they've come with me to do it as well. See, for my followers... Join me in what I am doing. And so, yeah, they're eating with tax collectors and sinners too. Because this is what we're here for. To heal the sick and to call sinners to repentance. Friends, um, in two weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter. It's going to be great. Celebrating Jesus' resurrection, so looking forward to that. Um, and we're going to throw a huge party. I don't, it might be a stretch to call it a great banquet, <laughs> but it's going to be a big old party. I mean, we're going to have bounce houses. I don't think Levi had bounce houses, right? <laughs> and it's going to be great. We're going we're to have live music. We're going to have food trucks, there's going to be snow cones, there's going to be yard games. On the Saturday before Easter, we're throwing a giant big old party. And then on Easter Sunday, we're also throwing a party because we're going to have free Torchy's tacos and we're going to have Easter egg hunt for the kids. And then we're going to gather in here and we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. It's going to be awesome. For the reason that we're doing this, the big party aspect of it, if you will, is because um, we want to give you an opportunity to invite anyone and everyone to come. That we want to create space for you, an opportunity for you to invite your neighbors and your friends and your classmates and your coworkers and whoever, everyone you know, and even people you don't know, you can invite anyone because when it comes to Jesus, anyone can come. And so we want to give you an opportunity to be able to invite people to come and to have fun on our church property and hopefully to get to meet some of your Midtown friends and maybe even with cause them to think, okay, you know what, if these people are like this, then maybe I would dare show up at their church building for a worship service for Easter. I mean, people go to church on Easter, so maybe I'll come and do that, and maybe they'll come and join us for Easter Sunday, and maybe they'll hear the gospel, or they will hear the gospel if they're here on Easter Sunday, and maybe, maybe they'll meet Jesus. Friends, we're, we're, we're throwing a big party because uh, as Jesus followers, we want to join him in what he's doing in the world because that's a part of what it means to follow Jesus, that we make a commitment to be with him and to become like him in character, but also we join with him in what he's doing to restore people back to him. And so we're throwing a big party. 
And we really want to encourage you to invite anyone to come. Because when it comes to Jesus, anyone can come. Now, unfortunately, the Western church, that's not the reputation that we have. The body of Christ. Many people think, look at the church and think, not, no, they, they are, there are people that they do not let come. That they are not open to. And we can grieve that. And we can mourn that. But friends, how do we change that? Is it not by actually becoming the type of people who invite anyone to come? Who just like Jesus says, all are welcome. Come. Come and meet him. Come and know him. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to jump through certain moral hoops first to be with him, to know him, to come and spend time with him. He's open to anyone to come to him. Now, will they choose to follow him? We don't know, and that's out of our hands, but we can invite them to come. And so let's invite, let's invite them to come. We created these handy-dandy little flyers to make it as easy as possible. Use this. Take these home. We have a bunch of them. Take them home. Either use this as to remind you to make invitations, or if you think it's not cheesy, hand that to a friend or a coworker or classmate and say, hey, you're invited. Come. How's that sound? Yeah? I was hoping you would say that. Now, I know that inviting people to come, and especially really joining Jesus in what he's doing, to seek and save the lost, to restore people back to him, that, that, that is intimidating and out of our comfort zone for many of us. And so before I wrap up, let me just ask one more question of this text, and that is... Um, why follow Jesus? If following Jesus, especially following Jesus, includes following him into doing what he is doing. Why do that? Why follow him? Well, think about Levi. Verse 28. Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Why did he do it? Well, friends, is it not because Levi was completely floored by the fact that Jesus would want anything to do with a tax collector like him? That Levi couldn't believe this rabbi who he had heard rumors about, how he had healed people, how some thought he might be the Messiah, had come up to him in a tax booth and said, hey, come, follow me. The Levi thought, how in the world could this guy want anything to do with someone like me? Everyone hates me. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, the Apostle Paul uses this phrase. He says, the love of Christ compels me. I think, I think that that would have been what Levi would said. The reason he followed Jesus was because of the love of Christ compelled him. 
was that Jesus would love and accept and want to have anything to do with a person like him. He's like, what is this? What kind of love is this? What kind of grace is this? I got to follow this guy. <laughs> and for that matter, I got to make sure all of my friends get to meet this guy too. Friends, what, what will move us to follow Jesus? The more that you grasp that Jesus' love for you is not conditioned on you cleaning yourself up and you making yourself lovable. Listen, Jesus' love for you is not conditioned on whether or not you're joining him in his mission to seek and save the lost. That his love for you is based on his love for you. He's chosen to love you, to love you because he created you and he knit you together in your mother's womb and he knows you and he knows all of the things, all of the things that you hope no one else knows, he knows and yet he still completely and unconditionally and fantastically loves you. And the more you recognize that, the more you grasp that, the more you don't hide your sin, but say, no, this is, this is the sin that I carry. These are the reasons why I shouldn't be loved by Jesus. You get that he still loves you, that he really loves you. The love of Christ will compel you to follow him. Not because you have to get him to love you, but because he already does. And that's going to help you want others to know that kind of love too. So why follow Jesus? <laughs> it's because of the love of Christ that compels us. There's one more reason, one more reason this passage is to hit, hit on, and that's because what Jesus says in verse 31 is true. Friends, the sick really do need healing. And sinners really do need to be called to repentance. But Jesus came because there was something that needed to happen in order for people to be restored back to God. And just like any of you who are followers of Christ, who put your faith in Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, just like for any of you, you had someone in your life who helped you know who Jesus is and what he has done for you, your friends, your neighbors, your classmates, your coworkers, they need that too. And God has put you in their life on purpose. To love them with his love and to point them to him. That they too can find healing of their soul, wholeness, and life to the full in Jesus. So let Christ's love compel you. And let it compel you to go to those who don't yet know Christ's love so they can find life in him as well.
you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us, because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven. Thank you.